0: Welcome to Rethink, the Future of Skilled Nursing. I'm your host, Alex Spanko. Before we start today's episode, I'd like to invite you to explore custom content solutions from Skilled Nursing News. In these uncertain times, it's never been more important to provide accurate and timely information to leaders in the post-acute and long-term care industry. At Skilled Nursing News, we can deliver your message directly to the decision makers, from sponsored webinars to white papers to custom Q&A features. Visit skillednursingnews.com advertising to learn more. As the coronavirus crisis rages on, we've seen both the best and worst of times in skilled nursing. The heroic efforts of frontline caregivers set against continued struggles with securing enough personal protective equipment and access to COVID-19 testing. As the chief medical officer of skilled nursing giant Genesis Healthcare, Dr. Richard Pfeiffer has a direct view into hundreds of nursing homes. I wanted to bring him on the show to share what he's learned so far, and so he could make a direct appeal to leaders about the dire need for PPE and testing access. Here's our conversation. Yeah, so let's just get right into it. won't take up any more of your time than I have to. Let's start with what are you seeing on the ground right now? Obviously, Genesis, major player in the space. Uh, I think there's probably a lot of lessons that you have already learned, a lot of things that you can probably already share with our audience in terms of best practices all That so, I'm going to keep it open ended to start. What is it like on the ground right now? What are you seeing as sort of your biggest challenge right now? And just for our listeners, it's uh Wednesday, April 1st, things kind of change quickly. So, I want to make sure that people know once this comes out what we were dealing with Wednesday, April 1st.
1: Well, this is obviously an unprecedented situation. Nobody's even imagined a pandemic like this before, and therefore, nobody's fully prepared. We have uh, residents and families who are having to confront situations that that weren't even thought of just a few weeks ago, and providers as well. Um, It's uh, evolving and changing every single day. And so from a skilled nursing and a nursing home perspective, we have to be nimble. We are learning on the fly. We're sharing with one another across the industry in ways that that are truly extraordinary. And and we're having to figure out answers to new problems on a minute-to-minute basis. Uh, Some of our biggest challenges right now involve access to testing patients with potential coronavirus disease, as well as the supply of personal protective equipment, especially masks and gowns, to keep both the staff safe as well as the residents safe.
0: Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about in terms of uh, we'll start with the PPE, because obviously this is a problem that everyone is seeing, not just nursing homes, uh, seeing it in hospitals. I just saw this morning a tweet about a hospital uh, that was using uh, New York Yankees ponchos as, PPE, as uh, PPE for gowns in New York because of the crisis there. What are you seeing? What's the status right now of you know your levels of PPE? What are the ways that you're trying to get around the shortages and when do you expect there to be relief?
1: We're all struggling with the national shortage of PPE. Everyone's experiencing that and everyone's dealing with it in somewhat different ways. Across Genesis, uh, we've been able to maintain a supply of standard face masks, uh, N95s for situations where there's high risk and when they're needed, and gowns uh, up until this point. And we've done that largely by going to various sources around the world to obtain supplies where we can, when we can. And by shifting supply around among our various facilities all around the country from areas that don't need quite as much as they've been able to obtain to facilities that do because they're in hot spots. That's getting us by on a day-by-day basis but that's not sustainable. The nation's shortage is going to reach a critical point at some point in the next few weeks and then we're going to be looking at alternatives that are certainly not preferable but they maybe are Are necessary backup plans. And so you mentioned using somewhat unusual coverings, whether it's garbage bags or raincoats or what have you. We are not at that point yet, and we hope to not get there. But in order for that to turn in a positive direction so that we really don't need to resort to such solutions, we need a greater supply. We need greater federal intervention. We need full implementation of the Defense Production
0: Act and other solutions like that. Yeah. And sort of building on that in terms of testing, I feel like there's a lot of confusion out there about where, te- how testing is available, how that's working functionally. We saw CMS just earlier this week change its rules around lab providers so that they can now be reimbursed for actually going into the nursing homes and providing those tests, which Seema Verma kind of framed as a way to increase testing. What are you seeing in, at Genesis in terms of access to testing and functionally, how is that working right now and what needs to happen to get more people tested?
1: There is a huge gap related to the access of testing in skilled nursing facilities today. And any suggestion otherwise fails to see what's actually on the ground in America's nursing homes. And that gap is costing lives. I can't say it any more clearly. This is deeply concerning. There is a shortage of the swab kits that the laboratory suppliers to nursing homes are telling us on a daily basis. And that shortage has been getting worse day by day, not better. And even when we can attain those swab kits, the turnaround time for labs for nursing homes ranges from three days, that's the fastest, up to 11 days. This is completely unacceptable. We need to sound the alarm nationally.
0: Yeah, and you know that's the access to testing. I feel like so much of the strategies that we're hearing about how to keep people safe, whether it's in nursing homes or in other settings, really revolves around testing. And now we're in a situation where we've seen local governments, it's happening in Massachusetts, some of the Connecticut is looking into it related to some of the CMS rules uh, that have been relaxed in terms of trying to transfer people and shuffle people around so that they can create COVID-19 specific facilities for nursing home residents. So that way you don't have them mixing and potentially infecting each other. But again, as you said, all of that depends on accurate access to testing. And it doesn't sound like that those strategies could really work until we fix this problem.
1: Absolutely. One of the principles of epidemic management that we are focused on is cohorting patients, cohorting patients who are positive for coronavirus disease away from those who are not. And that's optimal in separate facilities where there's no risk of spread within a facility. But cohorting is the principle. And you can't cohort patients if you can't know with reasonable certainty who has the disease and who doesn't. The data from CDC published in NMWR just last Friday, suggesting that 57% of people who are coronavirus test positive are asymptomatic, who don't have symptoms, that's deeply worrisome. That's one of the reasons why we must do testing.
0: Exactly, I wanna move on to staffing and just in terms of you know what are you seeing on the ground? Obviously this is what, on the positive side, I think our nation is really appreciating the people who work on the front lines in nursing homes more so than than ever. Maybe they didn't even think about it before. But over the last couple of weeks, we've seen the frontline caregivers, uh, nurses, doctors, assistants, aides, pretty much anybody who is, you know, in some ways risking their lives to go on work on the front lines and not quarantine themselves every day like the rest of us. Uh, We're seeing a lot of appreciation for them. How is morale among your staff? How are you seeing people respond? Are you worried about staffing shortages yet? Just give it, give, uh, give us a little idea of what you're seeing on the front lines in terms of keeping building staff, keeping morale high, and, and making sure there are no gaps in care.
1: The people who are coming to work each day in America's nursing homes and throughout the healthcare system, the nurses, doctors, aides, therapists, PAs, NPs, all of them, they're the heroes, and they are coming to work, and they're putting themselves at some risk to care for those that are in our facilities. They are doing all that they can in extremely challenging situations we are doing all we can to support our leaders and to support our frontline healthcare providers and caregivers to keep morale up certainly when they have an exposure and come down with symptoms or have any suggestion that they might have coronavirus disease they can't come to work they need to go home and be quarantined for 14 days and so that puts significant strain on staffing additionally some people have medical conditions that get in the way of their ability to work and then there's a lot of anxiety out there, and, and I do appreciate that. And so staffing's a challenge. It was a challenge even before this pandemic in American nursing homes, and this has made the situation worse. And so far, we've been able to keep up with appropriate and necessary staffing levels, but that problem is gonna get worse as well.
0: Yeah, and it's not as necessarily simple as so here at Aging Media Network, which publishes skilled nursing news. We also have a bunch of publications that cover other areas of the senior care continuum. So we have reporters and editors who cover senior living and and home care. And they really see a big opportunity right now because with all the unemployment, you know, we saw absolutely mind boggling unemployment numbers last week. And it's probably only going to get worse as people in the service industries uh, continue to lose their jobs while bars and restaurants and pretty much everything in the service industry is closed right now. So we're seeing a lot of optimism among, you know, senior living providers that have more of a hospitality focus. Well, you know, if you worked at a restaurant, you can come work for us. Obviously, for skilled nursing, it's a little bit different because it's not so much hospitality focused and it is really, you know, you d- you need a level of training for most of the roles in a nursing home, aside from maybe, you know maintenance and cooking and things like that, do you think that there's an opportunity maybe to train people quickly to take on these roles as the crisis gets worse? I know CMS also waived some restrictions uh, around nurse certification to kind of bring as many – or nurse aid certification, rather, to bring in as many people as possible. Do you think that's a solution as we go forward?
1: Yes. The federal waivers around aid certification uh, and other steps that are being taken to make it easier – to have providers potentially use their license and cross state lines. These are all really important uh, and very helpful steps, but they're not enough. The challenge that we're faced right now with regard to staffing is one that that is likely gonna get worse as this pandemic gets worse uh, rather than better. I wish we could leverage all those unemployed people who are out there, but there is a certain skill level that's required to perform care in a a nursing home. And that's that's a huge challenge that we face uh, in the
0: weeks ahead. Yeah. I also wanted to touch on telehealth. That's kind of a big, if you look at all of the things that CMS has been doing to really ease the burden, one of the really impressive areas that we've seen them remove regulations in a really sweeping and and surprisingly fast way has been around telehealth. They pretty much uh, on Monday with the most recent set of waivers that they put out, they pretty much eliminated the remaining barriers that existed even with the March 17th guidance that came out that uh, really, you know, that got rid of a lot of the other long time restrictions on telehealth provision, including the fact that if you lived in an urban area, you couldn't get it and you needed a face-to-face intervention before you could uh, have subsequent telehealth services. Do you think that there's a big opportunity for this? Is it easy to implement or, you know, it's not easy to implement, but is it possible to kind of bring these services into nursing homes in a coordinated and uh, effective way while buildings are dealing with all this other stuff?
1: The telehealth waivers that were put in place uh, this week and recently are extraordinarily helpful and very important and will go a long way to ensure that physicians, nurse practitioners, PAs, and others are able to support the nursing staff and provide care for residents in skilled nursing facilities. Uh, This is one of the most important steps that the federal response has provided. To support that care. Telehealth doesn't fully replace in-person care, however, and and we do believe that there's still an important place for having physicians, nurse practitioners, and PAs in nursing homes side by side with their nursing colleagues evaluating patients in person. But uh, when that's not possible, then certainly telehealth is uh, an excellent solution and uh, and it is something that we all can and are implementing nationwide right now. So we're grateful to the uh, the federal response to support that.
0: Is there anything that, from your perspective that you think we need, obviously, other than getting the supplies of PPE and getting access to testing? Is there anything else that federal or local governments can do right now to really make life easier for you and your teams on the front lines? Is there anything that maybe is on your wish list that hasn't happened yet that you think uh, the industry should be advocating for right now?
1: Well, life's not going to get easier for any of us right now, so if you don't mind, I'll reframe the question. What I'd like to see is federal and local support for collaboration across the healthcare industry at a local level, collaboration with departments of health and collaboration with acute care hospitals. What we're starting to see uh, is insufficient collaboration. We're we're seeing a more narrow or siloed approach occasionally as to where patients should go and, and how we should manage the surge that we're seeing of patients. Some states and some local municipalities have done a great job of this, where we've seen hospital systems and skilled nursing facilities work together to figure out the best way to care for the overwhelming volume of patients that are coming at us. And they've worked together to figure out the safest way to care for those with COVID-19 disease, and the safest way to care for those who do not and who are the frail elderly in America's nursing homes and are highly vulnerable. That collaboration is important and federal and local officials could be supporting that. In some cases, we are not seeing that. We're seeing an approach that just looks at the needs of acute care hospitals without taking into account uh, the lives and the risks to those lives in nursing homes. Uh, and that deeply worries me.
0: Yeah, I think if there is, you know, I don't want to talk about there being positives coming out of this yet because obviously things are are really very difficult. But I do think that once we're down the road and once we're through the woods here, I do think that one of the things that this will teach us or one of the things that we'll take away from this is the need for collaboration. I think that's one of the biggest lessons that we're seeing right now. You're seeing the news reports about hospitals that you know are, are stuck with people waiting to be discharged to skilled nursing facilities that can't take them because they don't have testing. You're seeing the impact that social determinants of health really have on people in terms of staying healthy, having access to food, having access to telehealth services. So I do think that's one of the bigger takeaways that we're going to see from this, I hope. But obviously that's going to take coordinated action and it's going to take a really you know, sober assessment of how we are able to get through this period.
1: Absolutely. You know, we've been talking about population health and population health approaches for, for a number of years now. And that perspective, a population perspective, is no more needed than it is. It's never been more needed than it is right now. Uh, and so we all need to band together and think about how to care for the entire population in our communities and figure out the safest way to do that without just worrying about one cohort at the risk of
0: another. Exactly. I think, um, you know, you you hear a lot when you go to conferences and when you, you know, really listen to a lot of the smart big picture thinkers who look at post-acute and long-term healthcare and this idea that, you know, a person's care doesn't end when they leave one setting and go into another. I think that's a really important lesson. Uh, Dr. Pfeiffer, I really appreciate you taking the time today. don't want to keep you much longer, but I did want to give you the platform. You know, we have a lot of people who listen to this podcast, a lot of decision makers in the industry. And I just wanted you, for my last question, to just share some of the, the top lessons that you've learned, some of the top things that you, you know, with your unique position as, as a leader at one of the nation's largest chains of, of nursing homes and providers in the space, you know, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned? What do you think operators uh, really need to know right now as they look out onto the next month, two months, three months of this crisis?
1: Well, that's, that's a great question. I think we need to remember that this is something that we're learning about this pandemic every day that goes by, and we need to be constantly thinking ahead about uh, what questions we haven't even thought to ask yet. If we just wait for guidance from CDC or Department of Health or CMS or any other officials, We may lose this battle because they're making it up as they go, just like we are. We need to all be creative. We need to use our best judgment. We need to put safety and infection control first. That right now is all that matters. And in some cases, it means that organizations might get out ahead of CDC on some infection control practices. And in some cases, that may turn out to be unnecessary. But it's better to risk overreacting in the face of this pandemic than to risk underreacting or being a little bit too late because uh, lives are at stake. It's always easier to back off on an intervention if it turns out not to be effective or not practical or not necessary, but you can't turn back the clock and start doing something a few weeks ago if we learn later how important it is and we miss the boat.
0: All right, I think Dr. Pfeiffer, I think that's a great place to end up. Uh, I also just want to thank from all of us at Skilled Nursing News, Aging Media Network. Thank you so much for all the work that you guys are doing on the front line. You know, we have the easy job staying home and reporting on things for the people like you who are out there doing the real work. So we all really appreciate it. And thank you so much for taking the time today. Well, thank you. All right, take care. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Rethink, the Future of Skilled Nursing. For more news and insights on the skilled nursing industry, subscribe to our daily or weekly newsletters at skillednursingnews.com. I'm Alex Banco, and this has been a production of Aging Media Network, Chicago, Illinois.